Rishus, Rav Yudin Bodasra, Rishus, Moi Rabbi Rav Shech Shalita, Rishus Rabbi Lichter, Rishus Mechutin Rabbi Weinberg Shalita. Ladies and gentlemen, a very challenging topic was presented to me. Repairing relationships with others and repairing relationships with Hashem. Let's begin a discussion of this difficult topic. By citing a Maimar Chazal, which refers to a Pasuk in the Parsha we read yesterday. Hashkifa Mimaon Kotshecha in Hashemayim. We ask Hashem to look from the Maon Kotshecha, from the heavens, Uvarech Esamchos Israel, and bless your people, Israel. Rashi and Sefer Bereshis Kamasim Chazal, Kol Ashkafash Ebemikol Eroh. Wherever the word hashkafa is used, vayashkef, vayashkifu, this is the bad. The context there being vayashkifu al-panei Saddam. They gazed upon Saddam with an eye to destroy Saddam. Chutz me'ashkifu me'ma'on kachacha. Here is the exception. Why is it an exception? Shegodol koach matnos anim, shehofech midas arogez lerachamim. Great is charity, for it reverses a midas arogez kiviyochol Hashem's anger to mercy. This type of alchemy is something that all of us. are striving for this elusive goal of transmuting a mida, an attribute of rogas, of anger kibayochal that Hashem has and converting it into rachamin into mercy this is exactly what we're looking for all year long especially as we enter into the last two weeks of Chodesh Elo. Of course the question becomes how is it possible that by giving money to the poor we're able to transform a negative gaze known as Hashkifa, Hashkafa into a positive one. Perhaps we can understand this by studying together 
a Rashi in Parshas Mishpatim. On the Pasuk of Chabura Tachas Chabura, a wound for a wound, Rashi tells us, Tirgumo Mashkofi. The same root, Mashkofi, is used to translate Chabura, a wound. Explains Rashi. Lashon Chavata. Chavata is a bang, a blow. Rashi quotes an additional example. Shadufos Kodim, Shikifan Kodim, Chavutos Baruach, Pashas Mikates. And a final example, Al Hamashkov, Al Shem Shahadeles Nokesh Olov. Mashkov is the Hebrew word which means the lintel, the top of the door. Why is it called a Mashkov? Because the door is constantly banging against it. In this context, let us review the word Hashkifa, Mashkov, has reference to a physical wound which one person confers upon another. Wind blown grain and a door which bangs and bangs against the lintel. What does this have to do with Vayashkifu Apnei Sedom, with the words of the Chazal, Kol Hashkafa, which means gazing or looking, Shebemikra Lera'ah. Perhaps we can understand this based on a number of expressions which the English language has conferred upon the verb which we call looking. And Chochma Bagoyim Tamin is supposed to derive lessons from phrases of the non-Jewish world as well, if they impart wisdom to us. There's an expression in English, looks can kill. Another expression in English, he looks at me with daggers in his eyes. This indicates that merely looking at someone can be banging or wounding that person. Call Ashkafos Lera, because the word by Ashkifu means you look upon that person or that place and you bang it. By Ashkifu, a place at home, looks can kill. They did. Dome was destroyed. Just as a door bangs against the lintel, just as the wind bangs against the grain, so too, looking at someone can bang against him, as with daggers in your eyes.
So, as it were, when Hashem looks down with a look which is entitled Hashkafa, it's Lira'a. Apparently, individuals are deserving of punishment. Obviously, the punishment of stone was an extreme case. But all of us, let's be realistic, are deserving of some punishment. There's no righteous person who has never sinned. And therefore, we are fearful that Hashem will look upon us with this hashkafa, with a look which can portend a punishment. What can we do to reverse this angry look, rogues, as Chazal put it, to a merciful one? How can we achieve this seemingly impossible task? Say the Chazal, Godol Koach Matnos Anim, giving a gift to the poor, has such great strength as to be able to reverse a look, a bad look, and make it into a good look. How so? What is so special about giving a dollar to a poor person which can achieve this desired end? Says the Kliyakar, it's not the dollar. And I quote, Bishchus midas arachmanos sheba adam when a person gives money to the poor, he is cultivating and acting upon a midah, an attribute of Rachmanus, of mercy within him. Shemahapech midas achzorius shabo lerachmanus. That he converts an innate attribute of a measure of cruelty within him to mercy. We're not discussing extreme cruelty. I mean, someone who says to himself, someone is asking for money, I don't want to be bothered. I'm in the middle of davening, I can't reach into my wallet. I'm in the middle of eating, I can't open the door. I'm walking in the street, I'm in the middle of a conversation. And so, it's not convenient to give money to the poor. Don't have so much money anyway. Many different excuses which reflect a certain lack of sensitivity. It's called in the Cleocos phrase Achzorius. It doesn't mean he's a very extremely cruel person. But he doesn't have that sensitivity. And by giving the Matas Anim, he's cultivating and developing within himself a Midah Rachmanus of compassion. If we transform the innate measure of cruelty within ourselves and convert it into a mida of Rachmanus, of compassion, the Rebona Shalom does likewise. Again, to quote Chazal, 
Manas Aniyim is Hofech Midas Aroges Rachamim. God's anger is converted into mercy. Just as our semblance of cruelty within ourselves is converted to compassion. In the previous paragraph, the Kriyaka points out a remarkable idea. Hashkifa mima'on kotshifa. Ma'on is the heaven. Minashamayim, as the next phrase goes. But the Chazal said there are many heavens. Ma'on, explains the Kriyakar, is the heaven in which joy resides. We're familiar with the expression from Sheva Brachos. Shahasimcha bima'ono. The joy is in this heaven which is called Ma'on. The Kliyaka quotes in the Rashi in the previous Pasuk, Samachti v'simachti esacherim. Because I have made others happy, I'm asking you, Hashem, to make me happy. Shasimcha b'mono u'misham tachzar u'sesamchenu. Once again, if we make others happy, Hashem will make us happy. Hashkifa is converted from a bad look to a good one. Mimaon katshukha from the heaven which represents joy. We see here, it's not enough to give a dollar to a poor person. That won't do the trick. So you write a check to the rabbi's charity fund, it's very, very important. But I believe that even more is required. We have to cultivate a sense of compassion for an individual who needs our help to make him happy. Smile at him. Listen to him. Motel says the Masechta Baba Basra. But this is even more important than the Dalah. Dignifying him. Treating him with respect. This can accomplish a reversal of a hashkafa l'ra when Hashem looks upon us chalila with a measure of anger, of rogues, to a totally different look. A look of rachamim. After all, we're entering into the Yom of Noroim and we want to eliminate the Roa HaKazerah the evil decrees which may be hanging over us so we understand Teshuvah and we understand Tefillah obviously repentance and prayer are the two ways to directly confront an evil decree but why Tzedakah? perhaps this is the answer if we will be involved in activities of tzedakah, of chesed, can achieve this desired result of transforming, Chazal tell us, the midas aroges, the rachamim, mavirin, esroa hagzera.
And therefore it's important that we engage in tzedakah, in matnasanim. But this is not the whole story. If we look in the parasha itself, we read yesterday, we see that there are good looks and bad looks, not merely with respect to individuals who are impoverished, but even within family relationships. When the tochacha hits bottom, when things get really, really bad, we find that even spousal relationships are threatened. And in the incredibly horrific description, it's found in both directions. When the eye of the husband and the eye of the wife, respectively, are evil. Teira'ino. Teira'ino. In extremis, the terribly difficult circumstances described by the Chumash. From this extreme example, we can learn that even in what we'll call today ordinary circumstances, how critical it is to look properly at someone. It goes from one extreme, a stranger you never met before, who knocks on your door, all the way until the closest possible relationship, that of man and wife. And it encompasses everything in between. You must constantly have a good eye, a smile, because otherwise relationships can sour. Let me tell you an anecdote that happened to me just over this past Shabbos. Friday night, I walked into shul, and there was an issue with, a, with an ovel, with a minion, it was a little bit of a complicated issue I was involved with, and someone said good Shabbos to me, and I was distracted, so I didn't respond appropriately. I was just you know, distracted, so yeah, I just sort of nodded. The person came over to me, to his great credit, the next day, yesterday after Shabbos, and says, calls me aside, Rabbi, did I do something wrong? Are you upset with me? I said, where'd you get that from? So, you know, yesterday, I, I gave you a good Shabbos, and you didn't, I didn't give, you didn't give me a usual smile, you didn't really greet me properly. That's what, maybe there's something wrong, so I figured, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tackle it head on. He said, no, I was just distracted with something that was going on. I, I, I apologize. Please forgive me. There's nothing between us, chas v'shalom. What could have happened was, a lesser person would have jumped to conclusions and started a fight which could go on for years. All because, you know, I, I didn't give him a proper greeting. He interpreted, in this case misinterpreted it, as somehow a, a bad look. How much more so if it's not a misinterpretation? It's a real interpretation. When someone looks at another individual 
without a smile, a greeting, with daggers in his eyes. We've probably all experienced it at one time in our lives. Something gives us a withering look. We're supposed to avoid that. And if there is a problem that we have with somebody, we're supposed to repair it. I'm so happy that the individual came to me just a few hours later to attempt to repair what he thought was a, a severed or broken or impaired relationship. It wasn't true. But he came. That's a, that's a godless. How many times are these relationships severed over simply a miscommunication or a misperception? Worse, when it's real and not imagined, when there really is a dispute and people start looking at each other badly, with an evil eye, hashkafalara, with looks that are bangs, we are required to repair this relationship. Not so easy. Sometimes it can be very difficult. Sometimes a relationship has soured for years. And people just don't have the impetus to take a positive initiative to do something about it. So it just simmers and simmers and it can go on for, for long periods of time for no reason. This is a terrible thing. We have to repair our relationship with others. We are taught in the Mishnah, in Mesechta Yuma, the Mishnah which describes the Kapara that we seek on Yom Kippur. The last Mishnah in the Mesechta Yuma tells us on that Peheim base. What does that mean? Until you appease your friend. You must appease your friend. The simple interpretation is that it's not enough if your friend forgives you without you appeasing him first. I completely agreed upon. It's a simple interpretation. A proof of the Gemara. The Gemara in the very next daf, and Pevav, talks about a case of individuals who came in Erev Yom Kippur to ask for Mechila. Anaf Pezayin is a case of Rav who presented himself in front of somebody, a butcher, in order that the Butcher should ask him for mechila, and when he didn't, and rather he gave Rab the back of his hand, it was a fatal error. And the mafarshim asked, "What's the problem? Why couldn't Rab just forgive him from his own private study?" And the answer given is that wouldn't suffice. Achiratzes chaver. 
he has to appease. And the converse may also be true. What happens if you ask your friend Mechila, you ask him once, you ask him twice, you ask him three times, and he says no. It's very possible, again, that you will be forgiven anyway. The Rambam writes that a person should forgive someone who asks him for forgiveness, and if he doesn't forgive him, he, the original victim, is now sinful. Implying that perhaps the perpetrator was asked sincerely for Mechila three times, and according to the simple Peshat in the Gemara, the two Gersals, you shouldn't ask more than three times. And the reason is, lift naiver. You're causing the guy to say no, no, no. Every time he says no, it's another Ravera on his part. Till three times, you know, he wants to see if you really mean it. After that, you obviously really mean it. There's a discussion amongst the Polskim. If a person is going to tell someone that he wronged him and that description itself may cause the victim additional grief. So Yisrael Salamdiv is quoted as saying you really shouldn't tell him what's going to hurt him. Just ask him to forgive you for anything you may have done. Chavetz Chaim has some different approach. You ask him for forgiveness, he forgives you. Because you appeased him, even if he doesn't know exactly what you did. It, it actually may be effective. We have to make active, take active steps to appease others. I'll tell you a story again in my shul, where there's a dispute within a family. Those are the worst disputes within a family, the worst. So there was a fellow who was Unfortunately, we say that in our language, it's a crick. He was, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't on talking terms with a close relative. It went on for years. It's terrible. All the same, this close proximity. So one of his friends finally told him, listen, what, enough of this. Pick up the phone and say you're sorry and uh, you want to just make peace. So hard. Hard to pick up that phone. Hard. He told me, Rabbi, I listened to my friend's advice. I picked up the phone and I asked for Mechila. I said, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Let's, let's become close again as we should. And the person on the other side of the phone was so graceful because that person also wanted to, to make peace. But you know, no one took the initiative. P.S. As events unfolded, a not long time thereafter, the person who picked up the phone was helped immeasurably by the family member in a professional medical capacity, which who knows if it would have happened had the phone ever been picked up in, in, in good times. It's always worthwhile to pick up the phone and try to appease someone who's moving not on good terms, to repair the relationship with another individual. If one does so, he reverses the Midas Haroges to the Midas Harachamin. Hashem may have been angry with him, but now have compassion upon him. My Rebbe of Salavechik, the Kronel of Racha, when he studied this Mishnah with us, 
would tell us that Eino Mekipura Mechaper Atshiras Es Chavero Yom Kippur cannot achieve atonement for interpersonal sins, a simple reading, perhaps means much more than that. That even sins between man and God are not forgiven on Yom Kippur if an individual does not seek to appease others interpersonally. Yom Kippur is Taharas HaGavra. It's not a piecemeal atonement for each and every sin. It's a purification of the entire persona. And he would cite the, last, the famous last line of the, of the Mishnah. Maha mikvah metaras atzmeim. The purity of Yom Kippur is compared to a mikvah. We only go into a mikvah 90%. You have purification of 0%. It's all or nothing. This simply puts an even bolder relief the obligation that we all have to ask forgiveness to appease others before Yom Kippur. The Holy Chavetz Chaim was worried that the Tvila Zaka that is recited in many communities, a Tvila which the Chayadim composed, would not be completed on time. People get delayed, they come late, they can't finish it. And the son of the Chazan starts Kol Nidre, and they stop and never come back to what they left out. And he asked that in the Machzorim, they take a paragraph at the very, very end of Tefillah Zaka and place it at the beginning. What does that paragraph say? The paragraph says, Hashem, I know the Yom Kippur only achieves atonement for sins between me and you, and cannot achieve atonement for sins of an interpersonal nature. And for this, my heart is broken. What can I do? Perhaps even the day of death will not achieve atonement. Hashem, the best I can do right now is to forgive anyone who has wronged me with two exceptions one someone who owes me money in, in Dintarab and two someone who wronged me and made an assumption that I'll forgive him in Arab Yom Kippur except for these two I forgive everybody and just as I forgive everybody perhaps you Hashem will forgive me for my interpersonal sins. How does this help? How does it help? It is a measure of appeasement. When an individual, as the Mepharshim explained, is mashpilas atzmo. When he goes to his friend and asks for forgiveness and the friend refuses, nonetheless, the person achieves a measure of atonement. So too, in some measure, when a person is mashpil himself, puts himself down, even in speaking to Hashem and saying, you know, people have wronged me, at least in my perception, I forgive them all. People have insulted me, they've taken from me, I, I forgive, 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 forgive. This itself is an appeasement of sorts and can achieve a measure of kapara. 
in my shul, there are some people who come, you know, last minute, and don't say tefillah zak at all. And it bothered me. Chavetz Chaim has given us a, an exhortation that everyone should say this particular paragraph, if nothing else, of tefillah zakah. So we instituted a minig in my shul. And after we finished the whole Kol Nidre, with the Shechiyanu, and as in many shuls, the rabbi gives the drasha, there's even a Kol Nidre appeal, and after that we sang the famous Nigat of Baruch Hu, but we sing on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, but before the Baruch Hu of Yom Kippur, together, the community rises and says that critical paragraph together. Together. We forgive one another. We forgive others beyond the community who have perhaps wronged us. And we conclude with that fervent prayer as I have forgiven others, may you Hashem forgive me even if I have wronged someone else. I told my Balabatim, I'm a Nogea Bedover. I have a personal stake in everybody saying this feeling. Because perhaps I myself wronged the Balabatim. I didn't look at the right. Well, I gave Musa in a wrong way. Didn't pay careful attention to their needs when they may have been in, in some kind of a trouble and I didn't, didn't know about it. I should have known about it so I didn't visit them enough. Who knows what? So I said, I'm a stakeholder. I want you to say it about me. I want to say it about you. We should all say it about each other. And have in mind anyone in Claudius throne we may have wronged. This is how we enter Yom Kippur in my shul. By attempting to repair the relationship between one and another in a hope and a prayer that Kosh will reverse the, rach, the rogues to Rachamim. Not just Matnas Aniyim, the gift of the poor stranger. Because it runs the full range all the way until a spouse where there could be an iron rod and everyone in between, family members, friends, neighbors, casual acquaintances, a critical, critical point. I'd like to conclude by citing a remarkable interpretation of the Alshech on a Gemara in Mesechta Rosh Hashanah, and that's Yuzayin Amit Beis. The Gemara is commenting on the Yud Gimel Midos Arachamim, Hashem, Hashem, Kel the centerpiece of Slichus, a formula that we, we recite constantly, we repeat over and over and over again, starting with Hashem, it's mostly Shabbos, Slichus, all the way to Yom Kippur, over and over and over. And the Gemara tells us in the Sechle Rosh Hashanah, and after Zayin and Beit Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Kozman she Yisrael Chotim, if Am Yisrael sins, Yasu lefanai kaseder hazeh. May they perform this service before me. Vani mochalahem, and I will forgive them. Simple level it means they say the thirteen attributes as we say them. But the alshich points out one word. The word is yasu. Should have said yomru. They should recite it. What do you mean yasu? Explains the Al Sheikh, 
Just, you can't get pay lip service and get atonement. It doesn't work. Yasu means Yasu means they must conduct themselves in this fashion. Again, a passage we read yesterday. You shall walk in the ways of Hashem. The Gemara tells in the Sechta Shabbos, Mahu Chanun Afatochanun, Mahu Rachum Afatorachum. That's exactly how we start off. Kel Rachum Vachanun. If we are merciful and compassionate, now we say the words. Words are cheap. But we, Yasu, we conduct ourselves with compassion, Chanan Verachum. Then Hashem will forgive us. Erech We conduct ourselves with patience and not anger quickly. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm giving myself a Musashvus in your presence. The meat of Kas, the meat of anger is terrible. Once in a while something happens and we right away start burning up. Kaas is destructive. Anger leads to the worst results. The rabbis compared him to Shabbos to Avodah Zorah. Because you're out of control. If you become angry, it can lead to terrible sins. We have to look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know, have we become angry recently? If the answer is, 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 is positive, we have to yasu lefonei kaseder azeh, to work on ourselves, to be erech to be patient. For avchesed ve'emes, loving kindness. We have to seek out opportunities to exhibit loving kindness towards others. Opportunities abound if we look for them. What a remarkable idea with which I wish to conclude. Veholachta bedrachov means that we are commanded to emulate the ways of Hashem. Think about it. The opposite is also true. Hashem Kivayacho goes in our ways. Yasu If we are Chanan Verachom, then Hashem towards us is Chanan Verachom. If we are Erech Hashem Kivayacho is Erech towards us. We have to be so careful in our interpersonal relationships because only by repairing them can we repair our relationship with Hashem. Gemara tells us in the Sechta Rosh Hashanah based on the Pasuk of Nosei Ovan Va'ovar Al-Pesha a Pasuk we say in Rosh Hashanah and throughout the Slichas as well L'mi Nosei Ovan L'mi Sha'ovar Al-Pesha Towards whom is Hashem forgiving? Towards someone who forgives others. Repairing relationships is not only doing better 
but also being forgiving towards others. This is our challenge. As we come down the home stretch of Tav Shin Samachtes. Introspection is the name of the game. In particular, Sometimes it's easier. It's easier to, you know, correct ourselves with respect to details of the ritual. I'll be more strict in Kashras and in Tefillah. It's important, very important. But the more difficult and even critical challenge is time and the focus necessary to repair relationships with others. Seeking their forgiveness and forgiving them. This is how we repair our relationship not only with other individuals, with our Kodesh Baruch Hu as well. May all of us have the wisdom, the fortitude to achieve this repairing of our relationships with others. And in this chus, may our relationship with Hashem be repaired as well. Therefore, when we say in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, Utshuva, Utfila, Utzdaka, Mavir in Hakzera, Hashem will indeed heed our prayers and bless us all with the Shana Tova, with the Shnaz Chaim Vishalom, Amen Amen.